This week's episode is brought to you by old friend Jamie McGinn, who was just traded for Jason Demers with some of Demers' salary retained somehow. What the actual... Sackick fakes it, takes it, scores! Joe Sackick! Wow! Good evening, I'm Steph House, and you're locked into Burgundy Radio for September 18th, 2017. Coming up on the show, if you haven't been paying attention, which players were at camp may surprise you. Uh, who wowed us at the Rookie Showcase? And we look ahead to more hockey stories, but before we play the whoosh, it's time to introduce my fellow disembodied voices of the week. Joining us, as always, is Arlo Six. What's up, Earl? Hello, friends. Co-host of the Burgundy and Blue Line podcast, it's Tiger Vixen, a.k.a. Queen G- JK, a.k.a. Jackie. Hey, TV. Hello. And back again after last time's motivational speech, it's Vladimir Putin. How's it going? All right, let's get to it. The headline news of the day, of course, is, it, is the Avalanche announcing earlier this week, I think it was on Friday, that Milan Hayduk's number 23 will be retired um, at a game against the Minnesota Wild, just so they can make sure they pack the can. Uh, congrats to Milan on the final cap to a very strong career. Claps from me. Except I'm not going to clap because I respect your ears. All right, so let's talk Rookie Showcase. Three games in four days. Colorado's noobs up against noobs from San Jose, Arizona, and Anaheim. Obviously, the second game was a struggle to watch, and uh, lots of us missed the game with the Ducks because it was during business hours. But based on what we could see, who did you like, who were you excited for, and who still has the most work to do? Let's, uh, you know, let's, let's actually add even more structure than that. Let's start at the back end. What did y'all think of goaltending? Bad. I, you know, it, it, it was it was obvious that that Marty was rusty, and the first game, all right, you know, had hadn't played in quite a few months, but then when he finished off the series against uh, the Ducks, um, you know, there were just one or two goals he should have had, and and it just sort of snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Um, I liked Petr Kvacha. Um, he looked sort of new to the North American game. Um, but he, he looked promising. I, I, I was hoping he was going to stick around and camp for a little bit longer, but apparently the Czech league was calling him back. So that's, that's not going to be a thing. <clears throat> and the less said about Frank Leclerc, the better. Yeah, I would say Kvacha is best. He was the best one for me, and poor Leclerc is or didn't even stick around for main camp. Who knows if that was the plan or not? Yeah, Kavacha took a little while to you know kind of come online. Not that he wasn't hung out to dry on pretty much all three of the goals he allowed in the in the first period, and even in overtime as well. Um, but once we did kind of see him struggling to track his own rebounds and to uh, kind of follow the, the speed of the play. And he even mentioned that in his post-game interview that he was fast and he had to adjust to just how fast it was. But once he did kind of come online, he looked, you could kind of understand why the Avalanche used a draft pick on the guy. Yeah, he adapted quickly. I mean, I, you know, you, you hear a lot from goalies that come over from Europe that sort of the angles they have to sort of watch with rebounds and, and where guys shoot from is something that, that makes it very different. And it, it, t- it takes a little while to 
uh, sort of figure out your game and, and, you know, become effective on the smaller ice. So, uh, you know, I, I thought the second and third periods for him were very impressive. Yeah, it's too bad he didn't stick around for main camp. It would have been nice to see him in at least one preseason game. Yeah. Who uh, who who had the net in the third game? Marty. Okay. I was the one who couldn't yeah. watch that one because I had to work. Yeah, I mean, he, he let in four goals. You know, the, the game-winning goal was just something that was inevitable. It was it was a power play right at the end of the game. And, and I, you know, that that's not something I, I call a bad goal on or anything like that, but he had a, a leaky one and a half before that. Um, but, you know, not to foreshadow, but he played well today. So we, things are moving along. Yeah. The, uh, the goaltending for both San Jose and Arizona was very clearly better than what the avalanche had to offer. So just, may kind of be a sign that their uh, goaltending prospects are not where we might like them to be. What about on the blue line? Who uh, who was good? Who who would we like to uh, see a whole lot more of? More out of, not more of, a lot more out of. I really like Malosh's game. Um, I thought he was uh, – he, I, I thought he was very good and very good in – in both ends of the ice and it's just sort of nice when you, when you get draft a guy and you don't see him for a couple of years and he comes in to turn pro and, and shows like that in, in a rookie showcase thing. So you know, he was at the level of the opponent's prospects and, and one of the best prospects for the abs. So um, he, he definitely impressed me. I would yeah. Malosh is definitely one of my favorites and, I've always liked his game, but he, he definitely looks like he's stepped it up a level. And you would kind of expect, like, a, a young guy that's, that's big size and he's physical that he'd be trying to really set the tone with that. But he seems like he's really focusing on his defensive game and puck moving, which I think is is probably what the coaches really want to see. So I really like seeing that out of him. And that, I mean, his goal was fantastic. Yeah, it was really nice to see that because I think sometimes his offensive ability gets lost kind of under under all the other things that he's known for. Yeah, he's, I mean, that was a really good shot. And, you know, I, I, I've watched him enough to know that he's got a really good shot. But um, just to see that that sort of transferred up a level, you know, is, is very promising. <laughs> Earlier you've got birds again. But because of the, because of the, the built-in <laughs> noise gate in Discord, we only hear him when you talk. um another defenseman that we were obviously trying to pay a lot more attention to would be chris bigraw um who tended to kind of divide people i think based on how closely they were watching his game i thought the first i'd say that's fair yeah i i think the first game he was he was good offensively It, it it's it's tough to say if he was bad or not in the defensive zone, he definitely had some turnovers like we've seen a little too much of over the past year. But, you know, there's more than just him out on the ice when that happens. So, you know, do you want to blame all that on him? I mean, some of it's him. But he came back with a really good second game, and I, I thought he kind of 
cleaned a lot of things up and, and showed a lot better. So, uh, you know, I, I think I, I think he probably came out of that tournament looking pretty good. Yeah, it helps the second game was better. He's been kind of up and down, but I agree. It's, it's It really depends what you're looking for. Like, if you're looking for little baubles or turnovers or something, you'll see that. But then he does always make smart plays with the puck. He had some really nice assists in that rookie showcase. Yeah. It was, I mean, he was very involved with the play all 200 feet. So, um, you know, I, <clears throat> I, I know everyone wants to see the turnover stop. And that's, you know, that's definitely been sort of a, a hallmark that people watch for. But you, know, you really have to, to take the whole body of work together. Yeah, and I think especially with a developing guy like Big Russ. Um, you Big just, Russ! You, you just, you can't put that much of your... Uh, of your time into counting how many times he makes a pass that doesn't work or, or gives the puck away in some way when he's trying to make a play. Like if, Now, if he's just like trying to skate through traffic where he can't, where he makes a soft little clear off the boards that doesn't work like uh, like Nolan DeYoung did, or you know, <laughs> those kinds of plays, sure. But, I mean, we're, you're looking at someone who's making the, these turnovers when he's trying to make something happen. Um, and that's part of your development is learning what does and doesn't work and learning – what the limitations are at, at the uh, at the next level, so. Plus, he ha- he he handles the puck a lot, so it's just you know it's like Barry. People say like, oh, Barry turns the time. Yeah, he's got the puck a lot. You know, when you have the puck a lot, you're gonna see some turnovers. It just happens. Yep. So let's move up front. Um, who impressed up front? And I will jump ahead of this one and. Shout out to uh, Mr. Mr. New Friend Alex Kerfoot. That is a, a very welcome addition if this is what he's going to do for the team. Yeah, he was real good. Um, you know, it's nice with he and Toninato, you really just, you know, they just signed a couple weeks ago. I've never seen any of them play live or anything like that. Really had, you know, nothing to go on as far as something to look for in his game. And I was really pleasantly surprised with, you know, what he could do, uh, how he meshed with especially Comfer, but just about anyone else on the ice. Um, but it just, you know, it really showed that, you know, that the abs got something good here. He's not just a fifth round pick that we got back in the, in the Will Butcher quote unquote trade. <laughs> yeah. I was pretty, pretty impressed with how he looked too. He really good vision really nice passer and and yeah they they had him with Jost and Comfer and and that kind of level of prospect it's just to me it's interesting how they kind of treat Kerfoot and Toninato different like Kerfoot from day one's always been kind of like hanging out with Comfer and Jost and doing you know on those top lines and Toninato's always kind of been with the uh you know, kind of the more AHL-bound guys. And, and I think it showed in the Rookie Showcase games, too, kind of the, the big difference between their games. Well, it's just, I, you know, I, I think if if Toninata is going to be sort of what they're, they seem to be projecting him as, which is, you know, a defensively responsible guy that can, that can chip in some points, um, you know, that's, you, you can tell that's what but they I thought. Think- I think that's what he is too. I think, especially in practices, you don't see much out of him. But when 
when the game's going and the puck's moving forward, you, you can see the hockey IQ. You can see he is good with when the puck's on his stick and he's going towards the net. You can see that he knows what he wants to do with it. But yeah, I mean, I the, the game versus the Ducks. I mean, if he could have just put one of those great chances he had in, I mean, that would have been fantastic. But he he created a lot of chances. Um, and it just seemed like he was very, you know, when he was on the ice, uh, the puck started moving forward pretty well. And, you know, the, the lack of finishes, you know, it's, it's a little bit disappointing. But first three games, and they're not even real games, so... Let's let's see what happens ten games into his career as a, on on real pro games, and then we'll really see where that defensive level he has is too. Once yeah. he's playing regularly, Skrink. <laughs> um, so who else? Um, who else were we uh, impressed with on, uh, among the forwards in a positive way from rookie camp, apart from Kerfoot? Say Jost. Yeah, Jost yeah. and Comfort are fabulous. I mean, you know, they should have been. Yeah, that too. You'd expect it, but but it's good to see. I I think Jost is consistent. Like he's always dangerous. He's always looking to make the play and. And Comfort, I think I think he's a little up and down, but at time, I mean, he's really going. He's just he's almost unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, I think probably. I mean, I, I liked seeing how much Comfort was scoring and in, you know involved in the offensive plays. But the game against the Coyotes, it was really impressive that that Lewis Kerfoot um, Comfort line was sort of tasked with shutting down Clayton Keller's line, and they did, and they did a really good job on that. And that's sort of a you know, a young NHLer versus young NHLer thing that sort of worked out in our favor. So I, I took a lot out of that. Yeah, because because Jost and Keller are both kind of in the same position within the organization. Like they've already are expected to come contribute now. So um, yeah, it was it was good to see that uh, at least at that level, the the Avalanche are coming out ahead. I think so. Yeah. Um, other forwards. Um, so there was also a, a nice showing in the first game from Sean Saint Amant, um, and then a little bit less and he, so. And then he hurt himself. Yeah, uh, and the same thing with with Julian Nantel, who was was dynamite to start the San Jose game with on a line with with uh, with Comfer and who else was on that line? Wasn't Kerfoot. Comfer and Jost, was it? It was, it was no, Comfer and Kerfoot. Okay, um, yeah. and and then ended up hurt, getting hurt somehow and being replaced with Tony Onato. He's, he was replaced by Ty Lewis, who, who did you know? I thought he oh, filled in that's great. That's right. It wasn't. It wasn't Tonato. You're right. Yeah. No, I think. I mean, Ty Lewis is kind of. I don't know. Kind of moving into the pro camp, but you know, if if that rookie camp is sort of a sampling of what what the AHL is going to be like. Um, I, I think he's going to do well down there and, you know, I'd, I'd really like to see him, you know, I don't know if they want to give him an ELC or not, but he should definitely get an AHL contract at least. Yeah. I like Lewis too. It, he definitely showed that he could at least be a prospect, you know, someone that you would want to invest a little bit of development time in, maybe play him in the AHL. Like, it's not like he, he was on, 
on par with like Jost or something where you're just like, oh my God, you've got to sign this guy immediately. But if you're bringing in guys and you want them to show something and, and have a bar set realistically where they look good, they look good next to your better prospects and, and he was pretty consistent and yeah, now in like main camp and with the NHLers, you don't really expect him to stand out. But yeah. but is he worthy of being a prospect and being developed? I I think so. But we'll yeah, see. If they want Twenty, to so yeah. Um, you know, it's like he's playing with with Comfer and Kerfoot, who are both a couple of years older than he is, and you know, he, I, he kept up fine with them. I mean, he you know he wasn't driving that line at all, but you know he allowed. I mean, he wasn't dragging them down, let's say. Yeah, and and that's an important point. That's where we kind of have to take into consideration the, the ages of both Confer and Kerfoot, since they're kind of all on our positives lists from uh, from the rookie showcase. They they're twenty three. Like they're they're some of the oldest guys there. They they should be doing that. Yeah. You know, they were there for leadership, and you know, I mean, Kerfoot's there because he just turned pro, but you know, they they were, I'm sure, expected to be. You know, sort of leaders as far as creating offense and you know setting an example for the younger guys. So, you know, it's it's nice that they were able to put first Nantel and then Lewis up there and you know uh, have a young guy play along in that role. Right. Um, I'm gonna pause us temporarily because we've been going for almost 20 minutes and haven't heard anything from Vlad since we introduced ourselves. You still there? <laughs> <laughs> my my Wi-Fi has been acting up a little bit, so I was trying to use the, the the last time that we had recorded. I was actually using the mobile data on my phone because I don't have a mic connection on my desktop computer. So I'm on my phone trying to use a trying to do the uh, the chat here, and I thought I could use the Wi-Fi this time. Clearly, I was mistaken. There was a connection snafu, and my mic got stuck. In mute mode, and here I am. <laughs> that's, oh. that, that's pretty amazing. So just in case anyone was wondering, Vlad did not die. We've we've got him back. Um, so uh, the the last thing that we had to kind of turn to on the rookie showcase was uh, bad players, bad oh, bad forwards, and I guess bad defensemen too, but. Yeah, who who do we want to see more out of than than what we saw, apart maybe from uh, from the obvious, like people that we were kind of confused why they were there anyway. Josh Anderson. Does that mean we can't talk about Ben Storm? Uh, no, because he's still on the roster. So, I you know as as dumb as he looked. And I'm not saying that as an intelligence thing; it's just sort of a, a role he was playing. Um, he actually did some good things out there. I, I think. I, I think. I, I don't know if they're telling this to everybody, but you know, they they want to see guys being way too much to heart, and he was just being an aggressor every time, and and I, I think that really took away from what he actually was doing well on the ice, which wasn't a whole lot, you know. He's not a great hockey player at all, but, you know, he was getting to the net. He was creating some screens. He actually could handle the puck decently. You know, I I, I see him as maybe an ECHL guy with, you know, when everybody gets injured in February, maybe he can come up and play a couple games and not look totally out of place. But, 
you know, I just, I, I didn't care for the over aggressiveness and, and, and stuff after whistles like that. But aside from that, I don't think he showed that bad. Could you believe he didn't play that way at all in the burgundy and white game? Spoiler alert. Yeah. Did, I mean, what was he like in the burgundy white game? Was he? Well, you couldn't uh, notice him much. So I guess maybe that didn't help, but he didn't play that aggressive, whatever he was trying to do in the showcase. I don't know if it was because it was against teammates, even though that didn't stop other people. We'll talk about that later. Um, but uh, it was just really stark. It was almost like, did he? Did someone tell him to stop doing it? Did he decide to stop doing it? Kind of weird, but... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's tough coming from, you know, four years of NCAA where you can't really be like he... You can't really play like he did in the, in the showcase in the NCAA. Um, I'm not saying it's, you know, it's a cream puff league or anything like that. It's just... You, you, they don't have a mechanism for dealing with people who play like that. You know, people who play like that just end up getting penaltied right out of the roster. Yeah, they get, they so, get like, 10-minute misconducts every game until their coach is, like, liability. Yeah, right. So, you know, I, I think he's trying to figure out how to be that physical guy and, and, you know, be a little bit of an agitator. And it's just, you know, he went a little overboard down there. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't see a huge role for him in the organization. I think he could go down to, to the Eagles and, and not – not be a total liability there. I think that's been a very positive spin on, on Ben Storm's rookie showcase showing, which, <laughs> <laughs> which by my eye was frustrating at best. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was, okay, the play stopped and the team's about to go on the power play, so I'm going to go start throwing my gloves in people's faces and slamming people into the glass and just being a total shithead as much as possible and putting my team at risk to give up their power play and running around and doing dumb crap. And although he, he did reach out a glove in the general direction of Kyle Wood's face and cause Kyle Wood to attempt and fail to skate backwards, which was entertaining. But that was just about the only like positive thing that he did. It was worth it though. (laughs) If, if, if that's what you want the guy to do, he has no NHL future whatsoever. And that's, I don't think we really expected him to have one, but like, why are you even wasting time on him at a development event like this? Yeah. What's the point? It was was a bit of a mystery. I I don't think, I I mean, I know Eric Veyu likes players that are physical and engaged and everything. I just, you know, I don't think any coach would want to see what he was doing out there constantly. No. And he he didn't do that in his ATO last spring. He wasn't like that. I mean, he was, you know, he was a little bit of an agitator, but not like that. So it's just, I, I think they probably said, all right, dude, you found the line, you know, bring it back a little. Do we want to nominate anybody else for the rookie showcase shit list? Um, didn't care for DeYoung or Osmus. Um, you know, Osmus is signed with the Eagles. That sounds like right about his speed. I didn't like DeYoung's game at all. I, you know, I still think St. Amant tipped his goal in. So he basically, he had an assist that was kind of lucky and messed up a lot of other things. Aye. <laughs> I wouldn't say shit list, but 
maybe Miranov, you were hoping to see a little bit more from, which of course it's early and he's already looking a little bit better, but you know, especially for his age, maybe you're hoping a little bit more polish, I guess. And they're just not using Timmons a lot, so I'm not going to blame him. He, he did look better in the second game. But, um, you know, he's going to have a big step when he's going to come in next year and try to get a pro job and hopefully be signed by then. I mean, right now he's the new guy. He's the only person there from his draft class. So, so it's almost kind of unfair. He doesn't have any peers or anything to compare him to, but... It's just interesting how they're using him. Like it, it's almost like they're trying not to give him a ton of minutes. I, I find that kind of interesting. And pairing him with with Josh Anderson, which is a pairing that has yeah. negative chemistry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that doesn't help either. You, you'd like to see maybe what you could do with somebody that could help him. Well, they they had him with Grigoire for a little bit, and I I think that actually made both of them look better. Um. Yeah, Gregoire, I, he he kind of struggled in his first game, but he looked much better the the second time around. So, um, but yeah, I I think it is interesting how they're using Timmons. It's 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 almost like well, we know this guy's going back to junior on Monday, so you know, let, let's give yeah, him a I taste guess, of how guess... hard. <laughs> let's give him a taste of how hard this <laughs> is, and he can go back and think about it for a year. <laughs> you sure Do about you think this he'll? One? Do you think he'll even get the game on Tuesday? That one will probably be very prospect-heavy, but... I don't know. Um, you know. Bednar was asked if there was any cuts coming today or, or tomorrow. And he said, yeah, there's some guys that need to go back to the... Well, you're so, cutting in and out real bad. I'm sorry. There's a Harley going by. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I hadn't heard this, so... Yeah, uh, Bednar was asked if there was going to be cuts today or tomorrow. They, he said that there, there's going to be some guys going back to junior, and they're going to talk about that tonight. They want to keep two groups just because of the three and three, so they're probably going to cut it from 56 if you include Z down to you know maybe somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 or six. Um, so they'll probably let a lot of the junior guys go soon. I don't know if you know. It, it's it, it's tough to say what they want to do on, on you know are they going to go prospect heavy I mean you'd think after you know coming off of last year's debacle they'd probably want some vets in there and score some goals and look real good for everybody yeah it'll be interesting to see if they keep any of the junior guys because they might have to they're just kind of injuries having their numbers dwindled a little bit. Yeah, you might not be able to cut all the invites and all the all the junior kids. Yeah, yeah. I've I've been like keeping an eye on uh, on the old Twitter to see if something is going to get announced while we're talking here about cuts and rosters, and so far it's I've just been kind of shut down. Been absolutely nothing at all. Uh, but you never know; it may happen. Um, but I mean, let's let's get into the injuries a little bit. We've seen uh, Tyson Joes pull up lame during a skate, which what's what's the point? Well, whatever. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, we've seen Tyson Berry have someone up with his shoulder. Uh, obviously, Nantel in, in the first rookie game. Uh, Joe Colborne has hurt himself playing golf or something. I Pretty mean, much. <laughs> like. No opening night hat trick for him. Yeah. <laughs> 
Could have a hole in one though. <laughs> like this, all these injuries are being considered day to day, and this happens pretty much every year. The guys come back and they tweak things, and they're like, "Oh, I'm not used to, you know, doing this this hard because it's been summer, and you know, st- stronger than they're used to being because they've had their summer weightlifting, and just little injuries happen." Is there anything that, that we find particularly concerning? I think St. Amant's hand and ri- or wrist or whatever it is, I th- it just seemed like that could have been bad. I, I, he, they might be, you know, they might be not totally truthful when he, when they're saying everybody's day-to-day. That just Well, I think Bedhurst, just talking about the NHL players that are day-to-day, yeah. Yeah, cares he- to ask about any prospects or AHL or so. Yeah, he wasn't making the team anyway, but I didn't, I yeah. honestly didn't even see, like, I, I have no idea what his injury was, what happened. Did he block a shot or something? Or Yeah, he blocked a shot and then he went off the ice with his um, arm wrapped in ice mm. a little while later. Ungood? It's not good. But, you know, alright, Bodin got hurt in the first practice and then he was back for the last couple days, so, you know, they do heal, yeah, it happens. Let's uh, let, let's let's actually just kind of dive straight that direction. Um, we've had a, a two-day training camp, which is a thing. They the two whole days, and now you're ready for preseason. Let's go. Um, so kind of for for those of us that aren't able to make it out to camp or follow it super closely because of you know real life uh, obligations or just not being connected or whatever. What what uh, what was kind of the tone of the two days of training camp? What were what were they spending their time working on? Um, what were, what kind of what did you take away from that? It was pretty much practice, and I mean, basically they're going to do the same thing tomorrow too. So I mean, you can call that training camp day three, and probably all their other practice days that they're going to have when they're not playing, which isn't many, but. Um, it's just a lot of basic system work. Um, the, the first day was very basic, just, just like, just a breakout and three on threes and things like that. And then the second day they did a little bit more corner work. Uh, so that was a little, little bit more interesting, but if you watched it, it would come off very much like, like just watching a practice. Like you wouldn't say, boy, this is training camp. <laughs> just look like look like guys practicing and then with all the injuries you're missing all these guys so the group's smaller and it it just very much has that kind of vibe okay um did you did you notice anything different from last year i know it's a subtle point but you know did I mean, you tell it, ray bennett was the new coach or uh, <laughs> no, they didn't work on any, you know, anything from end to end or anything like that. It was just like puck retrieval kind of stuff and and breaking out. It and I'm not I'm not a great systems person, so if somebody was going to notice something like that, a very subtle difference, it's not me. Yeah. But um, you know, I I wish we could have seen something like at least maybe power play or something to kind of give you an an idea of some kind of offensive structure but no it just it looked basic it looked like especially day one that they were starting like they want to start kind of at like the 101 level like this is what we're gonna do this is how you break the puck out and and they'll probably continue i'm sure if anybody could go check in on the their practices 
as we go along, you probably would see more, but it just seemed like they started on very day one kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot to be said for that. Just again, coming off of what happened last year, I can see perhaps Bednar and, and Pratt sort of looking back in December or January and saying, you know, it's like, did we prepare these guys properly? You know, it's like, did we skip over too much basic stuff that they're blowing now that we could have worked on a little bit more in camp and, and, you know, or it's like it got away from them. Like I remember there were things that they wanted that they did. They wanted to, and they did in preseason last year. And it just, it almost seems like they felt like it got away from them. Like they, they stopped doing those things. Like, I think people have noticed that too, just like how we wanted them to break out. It just kind of like, it fell by the wayside and the four check definitely did. And, and things like that. And yeah. that that kind of happened as the team admittedly stopped, you know, caring. Yeah. Yeah, and it's <laughs> it's like they got to go back and reinstall it. It's like the whole thing <laughs> just just forget it. Format start over. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I can see that that's a, that's probably what they really should do. I mean, it just when something goes is is horribly wrong. As last year, I mean, there's little you can salvage from it. Just absolutely don't ever want to feel like that again. Well, and then of course their big emphasis on conditioning. I don't know if you want to mention that now or later. Yeah, go for it because I'm a little bit like curious what the purpose of spending so you have two, three practices before you have a preseason game, and you're spending that much time on conditioning. Like, it's more testing. Shouldn't they come in conditioned? I think he well, said though I that they're gonna do it every every day though that they're gonna they're still gonna have the probably not the tests but they're still gonna have I think he said they're still gonna have conditioning every day so that's like a big point of emphasis I kind of see it both ways I don't have like a strong opinion one way or the other but I'm very curious about it like the 48 point season you want to have something to focus on something to say hey we're trying to make a difference here. We're trying to do something. I don't know if it's to bring the guys together or to maybe hope that they hold out, hold up better longer or that they can play faster because they are faster. Um, it's just, it's interesting that there's such a focus on it. I hope that that's not really all they've cooked up. I guess we'll see as preseason <laughs> and the season goes on. You know, you hope you hope they worked a lot on the offense and the power play, et cetera. But um, it, it is, it's interesting. I don't know that I ever remember such a focus on fitness and conditioning, which, which is good. It's good to be stronger, faster, yada, yada. And every team always says that. But it seems like they really, they want to be the team. Is that their competitive advantage that they're, going to be able to take advantage of the altitude skate harder i i don't know it's really that's one big thing for me is to see where this whole thing goes yeah i mean it's just a little bit like you, you have very limited time and if you can't figure out how much fitness your guys have from skating drills hard then i mean i just i feel like it's put, putting that much of an emphasis on specifically just like skating up and down the ice i i feel like you're not but that's an inefficient use of your time you can have 
drills that skate up and down the highs hard. Like, yeah, and I worry about injury. Maybe I worry about it more than people do. Yes. You know, how much more? How much more groin flu are we gonna see? Groin flu. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but but you know I know they all get hurt working out or practicing or playing the game through other means. But you know we're we're starting to get a list here, and if some of these guys don't come back soon, it's it's going to be interesting once they get closer to opening night. I think I think that this is a. Uh more of more of a bender's uh, mantra from last season of no more passengers being put into action. He wants to see some hustle out of these guys and he wants to set the tone right before the start of the first preseason game, regardless of how much time there is, he wants to see a buy-in from his roster, regardless of how new they are to the team. If they've been around for a while, he just wants to see that, there's a buy-in. I'm definitely all for that because that's true. They need an attitude. They need everyone kind of working and, and digging in, I guess, as he would say. But, you know, it's interesting also that a lot of people don't expect the team to do much, that, that the roster and the talent level and everything still isn't, you know, very, very high. So, you know, you can overcome some of that with hard work, but what, what exactly are they expecting? But yes, I, I totally agree with they've got to work harder, they've got to buy in, they've got to focus on it. But I guess where do you go from here? Like what does that look like in December? You know, are they still gonna do the conditioning skates? Is this just a camp thing? Is this just like a kind of a something to hold on to in camp? I guess my question is how do you keep that rolling month after month after month? Like if they start winning and it it's a kickstart to something that's great, but it's almost like when a team's bad and you bring them in and they do the bag skate the next morning and like they get the message, but then that's kind of like the one time you play that card, then what? I, I think what, Tortorella does that all the time in Columbus. He's very conditioning as part of all the practice. And you know, maybe that's a bad example because of our ties to Columbus, but um I mean, if they can keep playing that card, if it works, if they can keep banging the conditioning drum and, and it gets them to work hard and, and it carries on through the whole season and, and it has positive results, that's great. I just, you know, sometimes telling them to skate harder or to work them out is kind of what you do when you don't have ideas. Yeah. And it can't continue throughout the season because then you are going to end up with guys pulling things that you need on the ice. It's going to end up with time that could be better spent, you know, tweaking a, a power play that is still not effective as far as anyone can tell. Um, it's time that you could spend, you know, rejiggering your lines and trying to figure out where things are going to fall together, maybe find a, a better way to, to, to put these guys together. You know, like it's skating up and down the ice is... Just like, okay, <laughs> well, we've skated now, now what? Oh, time's up. We can only practice so much under the CBA. See ya. I just, you know, I I know a lot of people question this, but I, I really do think that they were poorly conditioned by, and especially in the, the latter half of the year. Um, yeah, I, and I that's, think, it's true. I, I They've that, had a lot of late year fall-offs. So that's true. And late game fall-offs. You know, there are a lot of games. And again, it's say with being mopey, in the third period or, you know, if it's just sort of they came out and they were dead. It just seems like 
I, I, I can think of so many times last year that they came out in the third after having a pretty solid second period and the other team just overwhelms them with speed and, and, you know, things that they couldn't match. So and I know, I know people I, I think said, it's a legitimate concern. People said for years, why don't you take advantage of the altitude? Why don't you, why don't you make it hard for the other team to keep up with you when you're at home, at least things like that. I mean, I definitely, I definitely agree with the whole, you know, they could work harder. They could, you know, uh, use that to their advantage and things like that. You just, you just wonder how's this going to look months down the road. Yeah. Well, another another thing I noticed is all, all the rookies during their practices were wearing heart rate monitors, and that's the first time I've seen that. Maybe they've done it in the past. I don't know. Didn't they but start it last year? But I, I think they had some of them. But new. everybody had them on during yeah. rookie camp. And I think what they really want to do is they want to get a baseline. And I think they want to be able to, you know, not every practice do something like this, but to, to do these tests, you know, maybe once a month and, and just sort of say like, okay, that, you know, our fitness level is sort of, you know, 9% off of where it was. And that, that's, that's kind of where we're, we're lacking right now. And I, I don't know what you do about that in the middle of the season, but. I, I guess maybe you could, you could be off ice more. You could do more things at the gym if you need to, or yeah, yeah. Or, or it could be more recovery. I mean, it just you know, I just think they need data to figure out why the you know why they weren't able to perform late in games late in the season last year. Um, you know, maybe they know what they're going to do, but I, I you know, it just seems like you would need some some testing data to you know something hard to look back on. Yeah, that would be Based good. On. And they did a lot of different tests, so so yeah, it would be good if if they were using it that way and using some analytics or things like that with it. It'd be interesting to say the least. Um, but we've we've kind of ignored the two biggest storylines from camp. One of them was the absence of Nikita Zadorov, but that finally got done. He did sign a two-year contract, two point one five million dollar um, average annual. It's kind of been obstinance on both sides, but then something changed in the in the eleventh hour, and it suddenly got done. So, how do we feel about this contract? Does the fact that he missed camp matter? Because I I think this is kind of the deal we were everybody expecting for the last month. I think as long as he's in good shape, and it sounds like he was working his butt, you know, and and they at least have two weeks to get him caught up with everybody if he wasn't. Um, you know, I, I think that works out fine. Um, as far as the money in the deal, it's, you know, it's, it's a little higher than he's worth, but he's worth more to the abs than he would be on the market. So, and you know. if he turns into who we expect him to turn into, it's like hella cheap. So like, yeah, it, we're, we're not talking about like the actual value of the player's talent level. We're talking about based on his, uh, body of work so far. Yeah, I mean, it's and the fact that Joe was willing to go right up to two point one five says that you know the Avs don't consider this a big deal either. So glad it got done, um, and and yeah, like you said, as long as the conditioning isn't an issue, then hopefully the missing two days of camp won't really make much of a difference. Um, he'll he's obviously got the rest of the month to kind of get things get it get his get everything in order with the preseason preparations but yeah, I yeah I the immig- oh go ahead 
yeah, I have no issue with uh, with the money going up to two point one five. I mean, it's it's a little bit of a we're gonna we're gonna put a little bit of faith in the player to reach more of his potential here in the coming years, and it's on the player to say they're showing some trust in me, and it's kind of a two way street. Scratch my back, I'll scratch your back kind of deal. So if he lives up to his potential, yeah, it's going to turn out to be a steal. If uh, Zadorov at least, uh, I won't say flatlines, but if he's at least consistent, maybe it's going to be a bit of an overpayment. But it's going to be up to the player to say, uh, I'm worth uh, the faith that the organization is showing me. It also gives yeah. his uh, next deal a chance to chunk into his UFA years. Like if you, if you did a deal long enough to chunk into his UFA now, he's definitely going to be losing out on some potential earnings. So I, th- I think you're right. This is a, a str- uh, the best deal possible for both sides, both in terms of the m- money now and the term, setting him up for his next deal in two years. But he'll still be RFA, but we can chunk more into UFA years. Yeah. yeah. I, it, it's, it's just good that it's done. Right. You know, this is one of the two things they had to get done over the summer. The, the really big one didn't, and doesn't look like it will anytime soon but they got this done so yeah you can't be anything but happy about that it's just done it's finally over with and it's too bad it got into camp it should have been done at least a month ago but you know it at least didn't drag on at least it's done he'll be here soon you never know with immigration. I, I thought I saw something passing that Winberg still isn't in Columbus. I don't know. I didn't look to verify that. But, you know, that that was done a couple weeks ago. So you really got to hope it's not something like that. But, um, but you know, he missed those conditioning things too, though. I mean, if, if we just talked about how important that stuff is, that they're doing that and, and setting the tone and and all that he he's he can probably make up some of them but you know if we're going to say that was important and an important part of camp then he did miss that um but you know he'll fit right in i'm sure he'll play preseason games would be no problem as far as the deal you know i advocated that as long as the deal is maybe under three million i i think i think it would have been fine but you know especially the role that he's going to play on the team. You know he's going to play a lot of minutes. He's worth the money. Um, but but I think it's fair. I think where they ended up with, with was fair. It's good the Avs came up and kind of showed they were willing to to make a deal and, and everybody's happy. So, so good thing we don't have to worry about that for the next two years. And hopefully at that point we'll definitely know what kind of player it is. Zadorov's going to be and what his future with the organization will be at that point and hopefully get a nice long-term deal then and uh, and completely forget about all this that happened. Yeah, and one really nice thing that might happen out of all this is one PTO I was having camp might, might go away now. Yeah, yeah, that that's only the upside that they won't need a desperation Cowan signing and Ah, no, you brought it up, boo. (laughs) (laughs) We've gone through two hours of preseason podcast audio without mentioning that Jared Cowan had been signed to a PTO. Tree trunk. Yeah, I I guess people just want to know how he's looking. I mean, he's not looking great. I I don't think he's, like, quite on the level like the ECHLers, but... I mean, if they want a reason to not sign him, they're definitely seeing it. Uh, it 
Just the worry is if they want to sign him, have they seen enough to change their mind? That's right. that's the question. Well, it sounds like that you know Benar mentioned Siemens today after the game as someone who stood out for him. Um, that that's great on two levels, just because you know I'm a fan of Duncan. He's the man. You know that that'd be great if he makes the team. And and you know just saying that, and he didn't mention Cowan at all, so. You know, mentioning Duncan ahead of him is is, is a real positive in my mind. Yeah, you know, I, I think he might have been sort of a, a carrot for the guys like Duncan and Bigra to, to shoot for and say like, you know, here, here's a guy that could take your job if you're if you're not standing out well in camp. And you know, you just you just worry that it's not a crutch where they can say, well, we need a little bit more NHL talent. You know, I guess talent is loose. <laughs> NHL pedigree. Um, yeah. We need more experience. <laughs> NHL experience. We so... need more 240 pound players that can't skate. <laughs> but I mean, you, there, it's not that hard to come up with at least four reasons not to turn that PTO into anything more. For example, yeah. Anton Lindholm and Mirnov and Bigra and Siemens and like, I mean, just don't do it. Just don't do it. They seem to love Lindholm. I, you know, Lindholm didn't play today, and he he only played in the first game in the rookie showcase. So, boy, that says a lot about where they think he's at. Then, yeah, I I think he's at least the fifth defenseman. Yeah, I can't see him not making the team at this point. Yeah, maybe I, preseason will change that, but but yeah, it seems like they've kind of decided the the rookie points over with them. So he didn't play in Burgundy White today. No. No. Yeah, this morning. Yes, morning. We don't know why. Morning. It was the annual Burgundy White game. Highlights included a three-point game from Travis Barron, uh, two goals from JT Comfort, two assists from Niley Kupf, and Simeon Varlamov played the whole game as a sort of tune-up, but he did allow five goals on 28 shots. Whoops. Um, a couple of it's us It's an improvement, were, uh, though, because his final game in January, he let in six shots. Most of that cut out, and I'm... I think I'm kind of glad because it sounded gross. <laughs> it sounded like bad numbers. So a couple of us were at Burgundy White today. Uh, kind of what was the uh, what, what kind of takeaways did you guys have from that? Who'd you like? Who'd you hate? Go ahead, Vlad. Uh, uh, you know, just from what I what I saw, because I was uh, trying to get some uh, some photos for uh, Burgundy Rainbow. So out of the viewfinder, I felt that AJ Greer had a very solid game, bringing that nastiness in and edge to to the team. He uh, got under uh, Semyon Varlamov's uh, grill almost uh, literally at one point, <laughs> but I thought it was uh, I thought that was really good to see someone with that type of uh, determination to go to the net and uh, make life uh, very inconvenient for a goaltender. And that's a, that is an attribute that this team has been missing for far too long. You know, that and says if AJ uh, Gert- quite a bit. And- not, not to cut you off. I just want to say that says quite a bit that he's uh, doing that in this environment. In the, uh, the, the intra-squad friendly that is Burgundy White, like that he's pissing people off in that environment. That says a lot about his game and who he is as a player. As you were. Right. Right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to draw comparables, but it, it, 
if you want to if you want to try and think, well, who can be such a big agitator outside of the avalanche environment? Who are the names that come to mind immediately for me? It, it was uh, it was An- Andrew Shaw to be that kind of a pest. Maybe not that much of a dick. But a <laughs> Thanks. Well, we can help. <laughs> he was today, though. <laughs> he angered quite a few people. Yeah, I, I like seeing that from him. I, I think the team desperately needs that attitude. I think a lot of people feel that way. You just you just want him to stay on the line of hockey player first, not kind of recklessness or just trying to be the goon, trying to be noticed. You know, that's kind of the worry in the camps because these guys want to try to get noticed. And they don't want to have a quiet game. So they got to go out and do something. And then if that's all you kind of fall back on, and then you stop playing hockey, you know, kind of like what Geertsen did for about six months, not good. Um, So just for those of us that weren't at the game, take me through the sequence where he pissed off Geertsen and and I think someone else even on the same play and ended up in a fight. You know, was was that – was that reckless? Was that bad? Or was he just, you know, was he just slamming bodies? It's hard to say because I didn't see how that exchange started. But I think, I think Geertsen was looking for him because he was kind of standing up for his goalie, Varley. Right. And I think, I think from what I remember and what I've read is that Greer hit Boykov and then Geertsen kind of took that as an opportunity to kind of, um, maybe remind him of what happened earlier with Farley. And then, of course, Greer did not like... He's not going to back down even from Geertsen. And then Gerard just completely stepped in and was just like, okay, I'm going to take this. And, 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 and I, that's just not understandable. First of all, like, Mason could scare anyone on the ice. And then Gerard's not that big. And, you know, even getting into that situation just seems a, a little crazy. Yeah, it, it wasn't that, that he thought that... Geertsen couldn't handle it because right. <laughs> who isn't Geertsen going to be able to handle? I, I don't know. I think maybe she's like, I'm going to take this one. Or, yeah, it was a little weird. And then and then I guess it kind of looked like Gerard really was going to fight him, but then kind of at that point, like nobody was really going to really bring out the punches. Yeah. So Gerard just kind of like hit him a couple times in the body and then they kind of fell over. And But Greer was ready to fight just about anybody. And but after that, then Greer's team got the power play. So yeah. So, well, I'm, uh, I, I, I just for his sake, I'm glad he didn't end up fighting Mason. <laughs> yeah, no, nobody wants to see that. We don't need to see that. I mean, Mason hurt himself in the last in the rookie showcase last year. No, we you do not need to see anybody get hurt in a fight in a team scrimmage. That that's just. That's where you get into stupidity. So, so yeah. Okay, so, so just in general, that that whole incident was sort of brewing for a long time, and it just it wasn't something dumb, you know. It was it was just guys playing very hard, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think maybe because I didn't really see what happened with Varley. I think I think Greer was still whacking at Varley's hands, but the whistle hadn't blown. So, what can you expect him to do? Yeah. And Varley didn't like it. And I think Varley really went after him. And See, it's almost like Greer doesn't do the first punch. 
he doesn't give the first punch. Someone else does, but then he's he's not stopping. Yeah. At that point, it's is kind of it's kind of how I think both of those happened. Um, it's all it's it's a doubly questionable decision by Gerard to step in there because did did no one tell him about eighteen? Like yeah, something, like, <laughs> something bad's gonna oh, happen good here. Good point. Good point. Yeah. If that's... anybody is gonna fall backwards and get a concussion from a fight at a friendly interest squad game, it's the dude wearing 18. Yeah. Um, that is that, that is the devil's number, and they should really just retire it uh, with Gordorg on the nameplate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that thing's cursed. Any other takeaways from, from Burgundy White today? Because they're starting to kind of run on a little bit, so need to keep moving. Um, well, for me, it was good to see goals. That was nice. Um, you know, the teams maybe were a little imbalanced. Uh, I say you got to you got to give Baron some some credit for scoring a couple goals. Um, one was empty net. One was a really nice feed from Yakupov. But you know, he scored, and then he also had a really nice assist on Agazino's goal. I like the combo of Bowden and um, Andrew Ghetto. Um, Bowden gave Andrew got a really nice uh, pass for breakaway that he buried. Um, funny thing is, Cowan also sprung him on a breakaway because Andrew Ghetto was trying to cherry pick all day, but he didn't score on that one, so no point for Cowan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's better that Bowden got the assist, right? Um, Confer was really good in the beginning. The first two goals he scored were just just beauties. Um, and then after that, you know, it kind of it kind of went kind of back and forth, and um, it was it was good to see a game. That's always nice, especially with the really pra- practice heavy camp days. It's kind of nice to see him actually play a little bit. Um, but there were not a whole lot of NHL talent on the ice. No McKinnon, no Landeskog, none of that. So um, was another showcase for the young guys. So I. I thought they did well. I don't think anyone really did poorly or anything like that. And and like I said, goals that thank you. There was no goals last year, so <laughs> at least at least we got to see some scoring. Yeah, last year was a last year was quicksand for an hour. And Vlad, I wanted to ask you about Sam Britton. Um, for our Rampage fans that might be listening. Um, for those that don't know, he's the he was a goalie at DU for four years. Uh, he was signed on an AHL deal this year, and, and you know he, he could be fighting for the backup spot in San Antonio. I really thought that Britton had a very solid outing today. I thought that he was very sound, very posi- uh, positionally. He was great. Uh, I didn't see a lot of scrambling in his game. He looked very composed. I think part of that may be attributed to the fact that he is a DU alum, so he's comfortable being in Magnus Arena and playing on that ice. Yeah. So that kind of gave him kind of a, if you will, a home ice advantage, at least in his mind. So I liked what I saw out of him. Uh, yeah, he was uh, playing from a deficit in terms of the scoreboard, but in terms of his game, I thought he was very, very good. Just sort of comparing him to Spencer Martin, I mean, could he hang at that level? I I think he can actually push uh, Spencer Martin just based on the body of work that I've seen out of uh, 
Spencer Martin in last year's rookie showcase and then what I saw out of him today. Uh, Martin seemed to be kind of chasing the play a little bit. Uh, he seemed very scrambly in the crease. Uh, and I did not see that in uh, Sam Britton's game at all. It was almost like night and day. Martin was scrambly. Britton looked composed. So it was kind of an eye-opener, in my opinion. That's, I mean, that's that's cool on one level. Not, you know, I, I thought Martin, you know, Mar- Martin statistically played much better than he did down in San Jose. But, um, you know, we've all been wondering about the goalie situation down in San Antonio you know how that's going to work out so it's it's you know it's it's nice to see that there's more than just joe canada yeah i think we'll we'll know more with the preseason games i think for goalies you really got to give them a full game to kind of settle in and and go from start to finish and hopefully all of them get a game just so we have a good kind of baseline for them so um where did Sam Britton come from? Like this was a name that was totally new to me when this year began. And obviously I don't pay that much attention to the lower level prospects and stuff, but should I have been surprised by the existence of the name Sam Britton? Where did he come from? Uh, and he, he played at DU for four years and one. Did, like, did, uh, was he signed as a UFA? Like what happened? He's been, he was in with. <sighs> he's. Signed to an AHL contract for this year. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to trying to remember if he had an AHL deal or just an ECHL deal last year. He played for Manchester last year, and, and he got them within one goal of playing the Eagles for the champion the, the Kelly Cup championship. So um, <clears throat> that's where he was last year. Okay. Okay. I'm just a little bit uh, unfamiliar with him, but. Let's uh let, let's look at kind of tying it all together. What we've seen from camp, uh, what we've seen from the showcase, what we've seen from Burgundy White this morning. Um, let's play stars and scratches. Uh, except it's the preseason, so today we're playing shots and cuts, excluding the top guys who are supposed to look great against Scrubbos. Uh, who's looked good enough to deserve an extended shot in preseason? Um, I'll, let's start there. I'll take the easy one and say Malosh. Malosh. Yeah. He. He's done well. He's done well in the practices. Um, today, I think it was Duncan and the high sticked him in the face, and he kind of set out for a bit, so hopefully that's not an issue going forward. But he's, he's been very consistent. Hopefully he gets a long look. I mean, it's probably a little much to, to put him in the mix with B-Graw and, and all them, <clears throat> Siemens and all them, for uh, making the team. But if you want a young guy that's coming in, playing pro, uh making a statement. I think he's made the biggest statement, I think, out of any of the young guys that you, you wanted to kind of say, hey, don't forget about me. You know, we kind of all know all the all the ones that, that have a pretty good shot of making the team, and he's kind of one that's saying, you know, maybe put me in the conversation. So I've been really happy with what he's done uh, so far in the whole the whole camp preseason thing. Yeah, I agree. He was he was great in San Jose. Um, I think it's great not only you know just because he he's turning pro this year, but also the the Avs drafted right-handed this uh, past summer. So, you know he he's gone from having a fairly easy shot. I want I don't want to say easy, but it, it actually it was a it was a pretty easy path, let's say, <clears throat> to having 
you know, two guys with a, a little higher uh, draft numbers than than he did ahead of him. So it's really nice that he made a statement like that. And I, I agree with Jackie that I, I think he would almost have to be challenging for a top four spot for the Avs to really consider leaving him in, at the NHL level. I, I think at, at his age, uh, time on ice is is actually more important than where the time on ice is occurring. So. You know he's he's really going to benefit from playing twenty plus minutes in San Antonio. Um, you know, rather than having sort of limited minutes with the Avs. It's actually a question I got um, on Twitter today from Nick Evans: is whether we'd see rather see Malash in SA, even if he starts a little bit better than than the guys around him, the Bigros, the Miranovs, the Siemenses. Um, so that obviously puts Earl on Team San Antonio in that situation, and I think I tend to agree. I mean, yeah, it's if you're going to talk about development and what's best for him and and kind of what's, what's the most logical thing, I, I think you can't argue against it. But it does happen where teams keep these young players, you know, let's say Brandon Carlo is kind of in the same situation going into his pro year, probably should have gone to the AHL in the beginning. They kept him up. He played well. You know, I'm just saying that's how those success stories happen. I'm not saying I'm pushing for it. It just it would be interesting if they kept him up at least maybe to start, but the Barry injury would have to be something that that's that's more of a day to day to even really think about it. I think it, it's a fun storyline. I hope he makes it far in preseason, but I will say the best thing for him probably will need will be the minutes, and hopefully he's kind of moved himself up the call up list, which would probably be you know the best kind of the best case outcome of all of this right when when eric johnson takes his inevitable injury somewhere around december january then uh as everyone else bumps up to fill that spot then hello mr malosh answer the phone come on come on up yeah and he's got a chance to try to stick who knows that's when those kinds of things happen yeah i'm very excited to see what he can do in the ahl if he can really put a points there I mean, it's just, it's sort of beyond the believable to consider that the Avs have a defenseman that'll put up lots of points in the AHL. That's never but, happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Beaker, uh, kind of, you know. Didn't Elliot? Elliot. Oh, yeah. He's but, not yeah, we don't, want, we don't want to remember him. <laughs> he's, a, he's a wing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I can see Milos scoring at even strength. I mean, that's, you know, that, that's something that Elliot didn't do, really. Yeah. I'll take the other tap in for, for shots and go with Alex Kerfoot. I think he's got a real strong shot at even being uh, still on the roster for opening night. Yeah. yeah. Thanks to golf injuries, he might have a really good shot at sticking <laughs> on the roster. Yeah. I've been, I've been saying that from the beginning. I, I just – I think they're really giving him a, an opportunity to showcase what he can do. And, and he was signed. He says this was the best opportunity that was out there for him. It just – I think they'll find a way. You know, with his age, he's not going to need – he's not like a 20-year-old where he needs to go to the AHL and get those minutes, like Earl said. You can argue that, hey, if at worst he's the 14th forward, that, that you know, you can at least justify keeping him up on the roster. And then, yeah, are we really going to expect every single forward to be healthy? Mr. Golf, you know? <laughs> Um, Wilson, who knows, somebody else. We still have six games to get through. So, yeah, yeah. 
I I I would bet on that. Yeah, it's, and not it, even just by default either. He's definitely done his share to earn it. Well, yeah, he's he's looked skilled. He's looked pretty good. And it just seems like they're they're really they're really focusing on offensive. They were interviewing Comfer after the game today. Offensive production is something the staff is really focusing on, and that having a fourth line that can contribute offensively is, is something that they're obviously searching for that's good because they've traditionally had fourth lines that could do nothing yeah a couple of coke machines couple of punchers <laughs> and a couple of nothings has been their fourth lines for the last several years so glad to see them moving into the future um surly underproducing swedes and yeah and and etc <laughs> I think we're looking for one more with a shot. Who well, wants I, to jump on it? Um, I'll say Greer. I think he's. I think he's. He's going to be in the conversation till till the end of camp. I think. I'd also say Siemens. I think he's. At least Bedner likes him too. So I'll split my vote to. Somebody Greer. likes me. Yeah, finally. Maybe that's all he <laughs> needed was somebody in his corner. Yeah. Uh, I've been saying for weeks that if Siemens is in the AHL this season, it's a complete and utter failure on multiple levels. Like, you, that contract could go somewhere else. He's not got anything else to learn at the AHL, and if he's just an AHL guy, then what's the point? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm an irrational Duncan fan, so... Uh... I'd be overjoyed if he. I really think he could help them. Yeah, I think I think he is what he is at this point. Like, you know what his game is, and just just find a way to use it, and he can stick. Yeah, and I, I was amazed that Bednar specifically mentioned him jumping up into the. So I'm just like, whoa! Jumping up into the play. Yeah, no, nah, he does that. It's just people are like, oh, he never does things like that, and he does. Just doesn't get credit for it. Yeah, just clarifying because you lost the word play in there, so I want to make sure that's what you were talking about. Um, who do we want to put on the scratch slash cut list? Uh, ben Storm. <laughs> obligatory. Yeah. Um, <laughs> last season we had the obligatory Carl and or Frank scratch of the week, so we'll, we'll make <laughs> Ben Storm the cut of the week. <laughs> he really Ben Stormed it out there today. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, bud, but yeah. Um, I don't expect to get a whole lot of argument against that, so let's get two others. Or if you uh, want to argue against it, go for it. Now's your chance. Going once, going twice. Okay, no, two more. I can't. I just can't argue against that. Do we have two others that we're sick of yet? I don't know. I mean, with Wilson's injury history, it's just it's a troubling thing. I'm not ready to, you know, he's my whipping boy for the season. So I'll, I'm going to take any shot I can get at. <laughs> okay. It okay. I'll I'll say Grimaldi. I just it's not that he's been bad. I just he I just don't think he belongs in the mix with all the forwards that we've been talking about. I just I think 
I think he's an AHL player. I, I don't know. I mean, he, he always skates hard. He hustles. We know that about him. I just, I don't think he's an NHL player. So it's not something he did in camp. It's just, it's just a, yeah, I don't, I personally don't need to see much more of him. Do you think Sorry, that Kirkwood's passed him easily? Uh, I think he has more upside. I think, um, I think because of the upside, I, it's hard to say, say because, you know, I haven't seen, seen Rocco play against a real opponent, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think for their time, if they, if it was between the two to keep someone in like the 14 forward, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have them invest the time in Kerfoot. Well, just it, it seems like Kerfoot, and you know, he's he's sort of been exposed more now with the NHLers. Um, but it, it, he just seems to be able to play in, in in the defensive end and in the neutral zone a little bit better than Rocco, which isn't saying anything because Rocco really doesn't play well there at all. But you know, it, it you know, it looks like it looks like Rocco's been passed by Kerfoot to me. Yeah, and Rocco kind of kind of didn't mesh as well with I guess he's on the quote unquote top line with Andrew Ghetto and Bowden today and I don't think he really meshed with those two. It just I don't know. I, I don't see a whole lot of upside with Rocco, but that's because Bowden passes point. it to everybody, not just Rocco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um before we get to the last couple of segments here, I wanna give us a couple of minutes for housekeeping. Um since, especially since we have Vlad here, I'd I'd like to give you an opportunity to plug uh your thing on the jersey reveal from the other day. Um, what did you see? And uh, obviously, don't give away the whole thing because we want people to go read it. But kind of, what, what and did they you should. see? Yeah, give us the uh, the summation of the of the jersey reveal. Well, the, the way that I put it in my article is everything old is kind of new again, and that's exactly what these these new uh, Ada Zero jerseys are. It's a nod to the original uh, Rocky Mountain design uh, when the Avs first took the ice in 95. So it's nice to see that, you know, return to something that is emblematic of the area instead of going to the uh, Reebok Edge uh, piping design, which just really was out of place. It never meshed well. And I realized that was part of the uniformity, quote unquote, with uh, the edge template. But we saw so many teams move away from that. And the Avs just never did until now. So welcome back the creative minds of Jersey design to think, hey, what was successful? Let's go back to what worked. So <laughs> that was great to see. Uh, I was really taken with uh, a lot of the improvements in terms of quality. I rave about the, the shoulder patch designs, uh, even though I know there are still the, uh, the Yeti foot shoulder patch diehards out there. And believe me, I, I get where you're coming from, but we got to let it go. So <laughs> That C logo is everywhere now, too. You almost didn't even it, see it, the A at the burgundy and white game. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, that's really become the center point of the advertising and branding with the team. So 
it's going to stay around for a while until marketing decides, hey, let's switch things up again. What will work? I know. How about a Yeti foot? But <laughs> the... Circa 2021? Right. You know, you know, after the lockout? Yeah. That's potentially may or may not be coming. But Vlad, I, I wanted the, to... the jersey designs. I'm sorry, go ahead. Vlad, I wanted to ask you, you said that the color of the burgundy is different on the home and the wager. Is, is, yeah, is that right? Uh, that's that's what I noticed when I was when I was there, at least uh, the the uh on the home, on the home, the burgundy color, the burgundy color kit. It it's kind of, it's definitely not as deep of a shade of burgundy from what I can tell. It had definitely more of a reddish tint to it. Uh, so, I won't go say it's more like a Chicago Blackhawk kind of tint, but it's definitely kind of rooted in the earlier colorized uh, mountain trim with uh, the ninety five ninety six color scheme. Kind of that. Yeah, I was going to say because I, I have I have a ninety five ninety six Wadgers. The burgundy is is more of a crimson. If you, it's it's much lighter than in, in in years after. Yeah, it's definitely deepened over the years, and with the uh, with the away kit, it really has that darker tint to it. And that was the first thing I thought of was I've seen this shade before, so that's where I came up with the the Colorado Rapids connection. Like that's the exact same shade that the Rapids wear, and why not? It's a sister organization under the KSC umbrella. It makes some sort of sense to kind of pair the two together and say, hey, uh, we have one local team that's uh, based in some sort of mountain-esque uh, type of atmosphere. Here's another that's based in some sort of mountain-type activity. So so are, are both colors different from the burgundy that was on last year? Like... They, they they sort of split out two ways. One went darker, one went lighter. I'm sorry, you cut out for a minute there. Could you repeat your question? Um, so is the is the away burgundy darker than than last year's burgundy, and, and the the home lighter? Uh, I would say the home is definitely lighter. Yeah, and the uh, I believe that the burgundy on the away is also darker. They, they kind of split it in two different ways. One went lighter, one went darker. I, I think they just tried to just differentiate themselves just enough off the color scheme from the Reebok Edge design to say, it's not what you already have in your closet. It's going to be something just a little bit different. That's cool. I, I mean, I, you know, I, I think that's, you know, it's a little weird, but I, I think the burgundy with the blue at home shows up so terrible on TV that lightening it was a great idea. Um, but I think the darker burgundy would work great with, le with, with white. Yeah, it's a really sharp look. I've always liked how that jersey has popped out on the ice. And I remember when the, uh, the Dallas Stars released their Victory Green set a couple of years ago. And one of the things that they wanted to talk about was we wanted to make sure that this color that they you know called Victory Green uh, really just was pleasing to the eye, not just in the arena, but also something that they can really translate to TV. So marketing for them was like, OK, we want to make our brand unique to Dallas because of the teams use it. But we also want to make it something that we can say, hey, when you're watching 
our broadcasts, you'll be able to say, hey, that's us down there wearing that specific shade of green. And for the abs to go back to the Rocky Mountain Trim and say, hey, this was a huge hit for us when we had this design. And then we kind of got away from that for a little while. So now we're back and we're going to go back to what works. And we're going to say, hey, we're going to be we're going to have our own unique identity and not just try to fit ourselves into this template, which never really was a good fit for the, the organization from day one. I'm really interested to see how it'll look on TV because um, the Reeboks, to me, I, I think they look like black pajamas. You just, it was just all black. It just, there's almost no contrast. And I think even the, 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 the thicker gray striping will, will really help that. But I, I'm really interested to see how much brighter it looks on TV that you can actually see the burgundy. Cause I agree that's the avalanche identity of, if you can really see the burgundy on TV, then then that'll help bring that back. I think on Game Center it well, was worse because was... you had the uh, the internet compression that kind of mutes the colors a little bit, so it was just like dark with dark. It was yeah, just kind of like yeah. There's no there's no contrast. The black pants and the helmet and the gloves. Yeah, it just made everything look black. That's why the road kit looked so much better because you could at least see the burgundy a little bit and you could you could see the contrast so right yeah i think it's gonna look fantastic on tv depends on the numbers i I think (laughs) one thing that to keep in mind here is when the reebok edge design came out television broadcasts hadn't transitioned into high def at that point yeah now we're in an era where everything is minimum 1080 high definition now we're talking into 4K resolution, so things are much and they, sharper. And much they even clearer. still had a jersey that that HD and 4K couldn't even show you the color. <laughs> they had low definition jerseys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> H- phenomenal high definition content. No <laughs> jersey. They'll sell this 4K jerseys. <laughs> oh, I'm glad they've added some yep. pixels to the jersey. Yeah, yeah they and they it... look great in person. They looked great at the rookie showcase, especially seeing the homes. It just it still looks good when you see them on the ice. It was nice to see the home and the roads today. Um, they wrote they both still looked really good. It's I I think people will be really happy with these jerseys. You know, I, I was kind of ready for something new, different, maybe going forward with the C. Um, but, but bringing back the classic look, but, but a fresh take, they, they did such a nice job with that. And it, it just looks really nice on the ice. Yeah, and today was and, the first shot we've, we've had it at looking at the, I don't know, the, the away jerseys on the ice, because they, they were all, quote-unquote home jerseys in San Jose. Yeah, I think one interesting thing is that the numbers are so much thinner. Like, I know that they kind of rounded rounded the uh, the font. They look really thin on the jersey. Um, so, so I don't know if that's quite my favorite thing, but, but I like that they kept kind of the unique font a little bit, even that they kind of smoothed it out. I really like the numbers on the sleeves. I know some people aren't sure about having the red outline on the 
on the blue, the home jerseys, but I think it just makes them pop. Like you can see those shoulder numbers anywhere on the ice. And I think that's great for TV. Great for Mike Haynes. You can finally and, tell who's out there. <laughs> yeah, and pictures too. You can actually they can, you can see them so well in pictures and and um and yeah, on the ice and on TV. So that that's almost one of my favorite parts of the jerseys is those those shoulder numbers, sleeve numbers, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, and those are the things I I really want to take a look at when we get our first look at the the player uh, jersey designs coming out later this week. So I want to get my hands on those and I want to deconstruct uh, how those have been done and I'll put up a follow-up. It's not going to be nearly as long, but I'll link back to it on the updated reviews so I can, because that was the one of the, one of the things I couldn't really get a feel for. You know, I tried the Jersey on and that felt fine, but those numbers, they can kind of make you feel a little funny when you sit in the back of the seat. Like, what is that on my back? What does that feel like? It's like, it's like <laughs> Is it a snake? Is it a spring? Is it what? What is that? So uh, I want to no, see no. how to. How... It's just a 19. We're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're and good. Then, <laughs> and then what, they're starting out with McKinnon and, and then a couple more after the, later on down the line. Right. They're, uh, um, the good ship McKinnon is going to be uh, leading the, the, uh, the player jersey charge. He'll be the first one on Tuesday. <laughs> And then it's going to be uh, <laughs> Rantanen, uh, Landskog, and Johnson. I've just got this on... image in my head of like a 1600s era Spanish flotilla, and like the <laughs> sails are the jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And Mac, Mac with an admiral's hat and a spyglass. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and he thinks he's baller as fuck. <laughs> Yar, set sail for Cole Harbor. <laughs> All right, so um, if you haven't yet, make sure you take the time to check out that piece on Burgundy Rainbow, um, especially if you have any interest whatsoever in jerseys and the details and what's going to be available for you to throw your money at. So I saved this for the end so we'd already all be tired of talking and not spend forever on it. Matt Duchesne is still here. Discuss. Oh, Matt Duchesne is still here. Buzzkill. I guess he's here until he's not. So it's just, what is there to speculate on anymore? He's, he's here until he's not. I, you know, I, I know everyone's having a tough time dealing with the fact that he hasn't press yet but whether he talks to the press or not it's not going to change anything i mean mike chambers is still going to ask dumb questions about matt deshane at every press conference and then with every player he gets a chance to ask um you know i, I appreciate that that he doesn't want to be a distraction to the rest of the team he just you know he wants to do his thing and get out of there as soon as possible probably and, you know, I, I just I don't see any upside for talking to the press for him. I think I'll have to eventually, I think. Yeah, I can understand him not doing it when all the people from the TV stations are there. Like, you know, just do it after a preseason game or something when the regular press is there and just get it over with. Um, but he can't he can't hide forever. If he thinks he's going to hide when they go to the East Coast, good luck. Yeah. 
Now, I think someone like, right will find he's you. About to get, <laughs> right before they get on the plane to go to Vegas, will be a great time for him to say, all right, I'll take your call. <laughs> right, exactly. When there's only a couple people there to say, yeah. hey, I'll do it today. He should give an exclusive to Terry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't need to talk to the media. He never. No, no player needs to talk to the media. Let it go. Yeah. Uh, it, as long as he can come out and not suck, um, then he will not be hurting his chances of finally getting that trade that he wants and. It, would the best thing for the Avalanche be that this relationship somehow gets magically fixed? Probably, but I don't think we're, that's in this universe. Yeah, that's not the end game here. It's it's just, it's getting to the end game now. It's yeah. just, it's getting it over with. So if him playing and playing well get, gets everyone there faster, then that's the best for everyone. But as far as we're concerned, he's part of the team until he's not. So... Yep. What else? What else can we say about it? We'll just have to wait and see if he does actually play well. Because the last time he played for this team was like last November. So, um, the last question we've got is from DNFTO, um, friend of I, I think every Avalanche podcast in existence. Uh, says, "What do you do with Duchesne to Max's trade value? Do you play him as a center or as a wing?" I don't. You know. <clears throat> For me, I, I think you, you put Deshane where he's going to help this team the best. And if that helps his trade value, great. But, you know, it, if there is has not been the urgency to trade him in the past six months, then I, I don't see what, you know, putting him at center versus wing is going to do. I think he'll score more goals on the wing, so just put him there, and people say, "Oh my God, he's like half a goal per game," and they'll trade for him. You know? Yeah, I know some teams would maybe like to see him at center just to reaffirm he's a center, but I mean, we're not talking about a prospect here either. So it's going to be the points and his production that's it's really going to do it. I think everyone knows he can play center. You know, if he's their first, second line center, that's up to the team. But in this day and age, I mean, center is is dumb. I mean, you know, you could have him on the wing and have him, and it's not a big deal. He is not an F three, which is what most people look at. <clears throat> you know, he's more he, he's not the the first guy back. Right. So, you know, you want him as your F one or F two, and no matter where he lines up, you know that that's going to be his role. So. I, I mean, I think people who want to trade for him know he's, you know, he's not going to be an F three for him. So, <clears throat> I, I think wherever you you line him up, it's going to be fine. Probably so. I'm just a, so irritated that we still have to talk about this crap. Yeah. Done with it. Yes, definitely. Over it. <laughs> so um, we've been going for long enough. Do we have any parting shots? Before we start wrapping here, um, no injuries in preseason. Yeah. And make it so. And and keep the kids up. Give them a good long look. That's all I want to see. Yeah, I you know it, it sounds like the the abs are planning on having distinct teams uh, staying up in preseason. So 
they can deal with the the three and three that comes up next weekend. Um, yeah, that's a bizarre. So I, I think we're going to see. If, gonna... Yeah, it's fun. Um, but you know, I, I think that's going to give a, a lot of different guys shots at making the team, and it's it's going to put pressure on guys that you know kind of mailed it in last year. So you know, having at least forty guys plus the goalies on the roster through probably a week from uh, what Tuesday night. Uh, that's, you know, that's going to do a lot. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and run down the preseason schedule. Um, I was not planning on doing another show before the regular season starts. So the, that first Monday of October, you'll hear from us again, doing our big season preview. Now that we know what's going to happen in the season and the preseason is over with. So between now and then, on Tuesday the 19th, we have the preseason opener. Colorado are at home against Las Vegas. That game is on altitude, and it will be joined in progress on NHL Network in the U.S. Um, then on Thursday the 21st, Colorado played Dallas at home on a game which does not appear to be televised in standard avalanche tradition. Saturday the 23rd, Colorado traveled to Minnesota. That's a 4 o'clock mountain start, and it is televised on Fox Sports North, so the uh, the resourceful among us may be able to find a way to catch some, some, some of that game. On Sunday, they're back home against Minnesota, 5 o'clock mountain with no television, and then on Monday, the third game in three days, they're on the road again in Dallas for a 6.30 mountain start, also with no television. So that's what, what we were just saying. They'll probably send like one roster to Minnesota, keep one home, and then the, the team that traveled will then just travel on to Dallas. Um, yeah, that's, that's my guess. And then this preseason ends on Thursday the 28th at Vegas, 8 o'clock mountain start, and that one will be televised on both Altitude and um, ATT Sportsnet Rocky Mountain. I thought that was Root Sports. Maybe they've changed their name. So when it, when is the Rampage preseason? I actually uh, did want to hear that. <laughs> they're on the 29th and the 30th. Just two games? Yeah, they they do a home and home with Dallas. Is that Friday Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. And the what what's probably going to they'll be on the radio. Probably the Stars radio. So shout out to, to all the three of you for giving me a big chunk of your Sunday evening. Shout out to anyone who's listening to the show right now, because I know this is one of the longer ones that we've done. It'll be one of the longer ones of this season. But hey, there's a whole lot going on and a whole lot to talk about. Um, make sure to uh, you know check out the site, Burgundy Rambo. Check out the podcast on Twitter, at Burgundy Radio. You can email the show at burgundyradio at gmail.com. Um, hit up the Discord, which you can find on burgundyrainbow.com to join the conversation pretty much all day, every day about hockey and anything else under the sun, except for the things you don't talk about at a polite dinner table. Um, you know, politics, religion, those things. But uh, anything else is pretty much fair game. So join the conversation. Check out uh, check out Jackie's podcast. Do you know when you're when you guys are planning to release again? Um, you talking about Burgundy and Blue Line? Yeah. Uh, no, we have not decided on to do another podcast, but I'm sure it'll be soon, and uh, we will have that on Burgundy Rainbow for everybody to check out when that does happen. And as always, make sure to uh, 
subscribe but also, and, and listen on iTunes to the show. Go ahead, Earl, say your thing. Uh, and Rudo is having his podcast talking. Talking. Pretty sure they ass. recorded. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they recorded today. They did. They they finished up about 20 minutes into our show, and he taunted me that he was done already. I didn't know it was a competition. Today I learned. Um, <laughs> but yeah, check check out their show as well. Um, and uh, as always, make sure to uh, subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Give us a follow on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash burgundyradio or on mixcloud.com slash burgundyradio, wherever you prefer to uh, to listen to, to podcasts at. If that's your own podcatcher, you can grab an RSS feed. And uh, of course, we always post to burgundyrainbow.com. So apart from that, uh, thanks for thanks for your time. We'll uh, we'll take it up again in a couple of weeks with a full season preview and uh, some final roster stuff. Unless there's some big breaking news event that uh, we cross our fingers may happen in the next week, and then we'll be back next weekend. But all things held constant. We'll see you in two weeks. Keep your head up in the dirty areas, and talk to you later. Not that these will be televised, but the Rampage have their... Not that these will be televised. Go again. Not that these will be televised, but the Rampage have their... After the final. Nobody want... The the ghosts don't want you to talk about the Rampage. All right, screw it. There's some games later. (laughs) We won't get to watch them. <laughs> so, stupid poltergeists. <laughs>